football. Hello and welcome to the final episode of the Box to Box Podcast World Cup Edition. That's quite a mouthful to say. Uh, I'm joined today by my good friends Nicholas. Nicholas, say hi. Hello, everyone. And Mark. What's good, people? Yes, um, an amazing tournament. Uh, so many things to say. Uh, this, I think, this episode is not gonna capture and a complete overview but it will be it'll be some it'll be something like that but i don't think it's, it's going to be a complete overview just because um one i think that there's already tons of media that's um speaking on those things and it probably just makes like way more sense just to focus on like some key things or some niche things that um are immediately relevant and you know important to say um but yes uh, so far i think we've had a pretty good like podcast run um a couple of episodes came out every couple of days um i don't know if you guys like have other like football podcasts and stuff on your phones and but like like every morning i'd wake up and like the athletic has something new and like sky sports has something new and tifu football has something new and um yeah i didn't listen to any of those like <laughs> like it was so it was so overwhelming so i feel like i feel like the way that we did it to like space it out uh, nicely to give people a chance to watch all the group stage games and then all the um, uh, quarterfinal, semifinal games before we have something to say um, also just gave us like a bit more stuff to talk about. Before we get into like the entire game on its own, um, Nicholas, let me first ask you the Argentina early, early dominance because this was basically from like minute one to minute 60. I kid you not, the whole, the whole game France wasn't really in it, right? Was that surprising to you? Uh, first of all, um, yeah, was it surprising to you? And um, what like stood out for you uh, that made like kind of Argentina that gave Argentina that edge ahead of France so early? Yeah, um, I, as much as I'd love to say that I wasn't surprised at all that I knew they were going to dominate France, um, that would be very untruthful to say. Um, Everybody uh, was giving out reports earlier in the week that France had a flu bug of some sort that was actually catching a few players out. That was the reason why Kanate started the game against Morocco. That's why certain people like Rabio, you know, were failing to start the game. Uh, apparently, Giroud had a knock, and basically, there was a bit of disarray inside the French camp. So I think whether that was the reason why France was so lethargic. We might never know, but it seems as though it was. But even at that, for France to not even get a single shot on goal, not even, let alone on target, but didn't have a single shot on goal the entire first half, that surprised, that should surprise everybody that's watching the final. Basically, for 70 minutes, that was the worst World Cup final probably in recent history as far as, like, you know, the one-sidedness of it all. You really thought that Argentina was probably some sort of super team something yeah. like that at that point and it was it was honestly, like it was like embarrassing for like 60 minutes it was like it was like france just didn't come yeah, yeah it was embarrassing like i don't know whether you guys saw but the amount of misplaced passes that were going out for throw-ins for france it was it was it was abysmal it was 
one of the worst things ever. But not to take away from Argentina, what they did was brilliant because they were aggressive. Mbappe didn't have a sniff. I mean, even Fubug or not, the fact that Usman Dembele and Giroud were subbed off at 40 minutes, that's embarrassing. Like, they were completely dominated out of the park in that first half, and that was shocking. But then there might be mitigating circumstances behind that, but either way, it was surprising. Yeah, Mike, do you have any comments on that? I mean, Nick's basically said it all. All I, all I would say is I, I gave Argentina a lot of credit because um, their plan to stop Mbappe wasn't necessarily to mark him out the game, but was to stop him getting the ball. And so they just kind of flooded the middle of the park and they were like, OK, you guys can have the ball out wide, but you're not going to get through the middle. And they just they just couldn't cope. Uh, France just couldn't cope with that. Uh, at the end, in the end, I think... Maybe they made a few substitutions too early. I think the Di Maria one was probably made yeah, a bit too quickly because then that uh, they weren't as compact in the middle anymore and then that gave them a, a few more spaces to attack. But um, all in all, I was very surprised with how they came out. I was like, you know, this is World Cup final. You might not get a chance to ever play a final again and this is how you play. Like Nick said, really sloppy passes, like just... Awful Dembele. I mean, Giroud, really, really bad. And yeah, I was, I was kind of like you as well. Was Giroud really, really bad? And was Dembele really, really bad either? Um, or, I or mean, was that, or, or, or did they just become? Um, was it a sacrificial lamb sort of situation? Because I mean, the penalty, uh, and we will get to the penalty. But conceding a penalty is not enough to necessarily take you off. You know, um, get you off the pitch, right? Um, do you think it was more of a thing of okay, um, we we wanted to go with the strategy that we've played basically the whole tournament, and maybe we just need to go just for a much more um, runner runner sort of I don't know runner sort of perspective because I mean I mean Kolomani is not is is a is a decent player I've never heard of him <laughs> he's a decent he's a decent player but he's not necessarily better than Dembele right but he does think... offer he does offer a more defensive option and he helped against Di Maria on that side do you think it was more of that uh yeah maybe may a bit of that but at the same time I mean it it was just aggression that's all the the Kolomani guy he he brought to the table was that aggression that willingness to run and I'm like bro if you cannot turn up to run in a final then you don't deserve to be that is very poor yeah. you don't deserve to be playing so for me i was like yeah he's not played well obviously dembele is not a defender but still i mean the way he gave away that penalty was just shocking so i i do think like he i do think him and juru did deserve to come off but yeah that's that was my uh two pieces on uh france's though at least the first 60 80 minutes of the world cup final Okay, and now let's talk about that that penalty before we get into the France comeback, which is um, obviously quite prominent as well. Um, a pretty simple question to you: was it a, was it a penalty? Uh, let's start with Mark. Um, I do think it was a penalty. Actually, uh, I've had a lot of people asking me, and I kept telling them the same thing: Dembele gets beat by Di Maria. Di Maria goes in front of him, and whether it's on purpose yep. or not, he um, yes. Dembele's legs clips Di Maria's legs and that causes him yes. to trip and then unfortunately <laughs> that's a that's a foul that's a penalty whether <laughs> on purpose or not so it's it's that simple really as long as there's a, a contact made it will be a pen especially 
in a situation where you've just been beat by your man, it always, almost always will be given as a, as a penalty because the, the referee will assume you're a bit too over-eager to try and get the ball back. I agree with you entirely. Um, now, I think a comment that I was getting a lot um, in relation to this penalty was, this is a final, you can't ref a final the same way that you'd ref a group stage game or um, a league game. You know, you, you, you treat it with certain... Um, you, you, you know, you know, you swallow your whistle basically. You you don't you don't blow for everything, and it, it, you know, especially in relation to this penalty. If you blow for this penalty, you could potentially ruin the game. Which some people who support France believe that they, that this game was ruined. Um, Nick, can you comment on that? Because because my view was, um, while I agree and and I did see I did see some restraint from the there were a lot of tackles that I think should have been yellow cards that were not given. Um, so I did notice some restraint from the referee, um, but, you know, to a point, right? Uh, when a penalty is a penalty, it must be given. Um, Nicholas, what do you think? Well, to be fair to the referee, he was very consistent with the way he actually refereed the game. Yeah, in I terms so. of, like, there wasn't, it wasn't too contradictory as far as the way he actually, you know, managed to hold himself around the game. And I agree with Mark and anybody that's listened to this podcast, right? If you if you watched a football match in your life, you probably you know multiple times. If you've watched Premier League or Champions League, you've probably seen that penalty a million times, haven't you? And most of the time, it won't be overturned by VAR because it's not a clear and obvious error. We all know this. At least in the past four, five, I, I've seen that penalty so many times, especially when you get beaten. You just can't touch a player in the box when they're yeah. right in front of you and you're trying to make a tackle from behind or any movement from behind, especially when yeah. you know Dembele had no chance of getting the ball. So why yeah. even bother? Why even bother? Exactly. Don't bother. You just concede the penalty. But okay. even at that, I don't, I don't think the referee necessarily, well, you can say that it can ruin the game, but then he ends up giving a similar penalty for Otamendi getting beaten, which was like basically the same thing. So he was consistent. So I think maybe that's all we need at the end of the day, consistency. And he ended up basically paying it back. So luckily, it didn't ruin the game. Yeah, um, I agree with, with both your points. Um, extremely, um, yeah, consistently. I agree, with, I agree yeah. that it can ruin a game, right? But Clip, uh, you know, Dembele was clearly behind. Anything that comes from behind usually is given in any case. Um, yeah. I, I just, I don't see how... I don't see how that's a clear error. Um, and yeah, obviously this was happening a lot because of the... Well, this conversation was happening a lot because of... Um, uh, a lot of people just kind of predicted that Argentina was going to get a penalty early in the game. So I, I also just think it was funny to see that it actually happened. So <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, so let's move on now to the rest of this final, right? Um, so France obviously comes back. Um, um, they scored their first goal, and then quickly after that, um, Mbappe scores um, a, a second. Uh, I think that the Otamendi, the Otamendi challenge was definitely, uh, I don't want to say more of a penalty, but it was, you know, the, the contact was slightly more severe, right? Um, and and I even, even to, to some degree, you would say that it was kind of like a red card challenge, given that he was the last man. But then um, penalty given, Bappe scores, and then Bappe scores another goal really quickly. Um, that the game completely changes, momentum completely shifts. Um, do you guys think 
and I'm, I'm going to start with Mark, right? Do you guys think that this response from France was as a reflection of them as a team? You, you know, you, we always hear those, those sort of comments like, uh, this is a counter-attacking team, or this is a, a team that doesn't necessarily need the ball, they just need moments. Uh, do you think that, that those moments encapsulated what France is? Uh, let's start with Mark. Uh, I, I do think so. And while we were watching the final, actually, my little cousin, he made a comment when after Argentina had made quite a few subs and brought a, a few more defensive-minded players onto the pitch, he said, oh, Mbappe loves that. Mbappe will love this now. And I was like, oh, I'm, not too, I'm not too sure. I think they'll just sit back. But I think he was, he was spot on. They, they kind of gave, they kind of let France get back into the game with all the space they were leaving in behind. And it was... That's that's how France loves to play. They are a very pragmatic team and they love to kind of score goals on the transition. That's where they are at their most dangerous. And so I think with the substitutions Argentina made, it allowed France to grow into the game and to, to, to do their classic transition moves. And I think the two um, the two attacking substitutions that um, Deschamps made really early on, I think they were really good. I think they made a big difference. I think Coleman as well, he made a big difference. So it was kind of almost a game of like um, substitutes. I think um, Lionel Scaloni, I think he made the wrong subs and I think Didier Deschamps made the correct decisions in each of the subs he made last night. Okay, and I just want to. I just want um, Nicholas for you to comment on uh, the subs thing that uh, Mark is talking about, right? Because while I was watching the game, I actually I wish I watched the game at a more eventful place, but I watched it on my couch. <laughs> but while I was watching the game, um, when Di Maria came out, everyone else at my house was was basically like, "Oh, this is the wrong. This is the wrong move." Because he was really having like a he was having a man a man of the match performance, right? Um, but I thought to myself that ah, if I was a coach and I'm coaching the final, is this really the worst decision ever to take out a player that, um, yes, he is hot, but um, at the same time, at this point, must be getting tired. And um, for me to put in fresher legs that are defensive, we're 2-0 up, it's 60 minutes, it's a World Cup final. Um, I kind of expect to see this game through. I don't know if it's a wrong decision, right? Um, Nicholas, um, what do you think? Um, okay, first of all, yeah, just, just what do you think about the Di Maria substitution? Maybe I should just put it like that. Well, first of all, it, it only becomes a wrong decision when it blows up in your face, doesn't it? That's the reality <laughs> of being a manager. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, obviously, if they end up winning the game 2-0, everybody would be like, oh, that was the right substitution, wasn't it? And at yeah. the time when it happened, I kind of understood because sometimes if you're Di Maria and he's had fitness problems at this World Cup, you, um, you'd probably imagine that he was getting tired. And when a player does get tired, all of a sudden, Di Maria, as, a much, as much of a workhorse as he is, all of a sudden, he won't track back and try to help out um, Tyler Fico behind him in case... You know, Turam, Kolomwani, whoever would be attacking that right-hand side at the time, you know, with the fresher legs and the more, you know, the more energy that the France team had. So that's why he brought on the Cunha to give a bit more defensive solidity on that side. But the problem is, when you take out someone like Di Maria, he's somebody which is very reliable in terms of possession and the fact that all of a sudden you have France going backwards because of how much of an attacking threat he was. Because that was a tactical shift that surprised Deschamps. He thought Di Maria was going to play right wing. All of a sudden, he's on the left wing. So that attacking impetus was removed when Acuna came on because Acuna was absolutely tragic. 
going forward <laughs> and retaining yeah, the Yeah, he, was, he wasn't the same. He wasn't the same. <laughs> and retaining the ball for Argentina. I know that he plays left wing sometimes. I hope he never plays there ever again at club oh. level. So, as a result, all of a sudden, France were probably encouraged that, you know what, they're not doing anything on, this left hand, on, this, on Argentina's left-hand side. So, all of a sudden, that threat which they had has diminished. And then, from there on, they take the impetus that we're, we'll, we'll be the ones to attack now. And then they change the game. So, it was the wrong decision in hindsight. But then it's something which, you know, objectively, it's, it's the right call if Di Maria was going to get too tired and wouldn't be able to, to actually stay in the game. So, and, and also, just, just to go back to substitutions, Olivier Giroud, that was the Giroud I remember. Not this, you know, five goals in the World Cup. That's the Giroud <laughs> I remember. Like, first half, he was absolutely dreadful. Zero, like, he did nothing. Like, I can't believe it. Like, that just gave me flashbacks from his, you know, from his dry spell at Arsenal when he cost us a league title. But I just had to, I just had to get that one in. But either way, at the end of the day, Deschamps played his cards right. Scaloni at that point in time played wrongly, but then he did recover. Yeah, um, and uh, okay, so good comments, uh, both of you. And uh, let's just go towards the end of the game now, and you know, as we're wrapping this sec- this section up. Um, so uh, Argentina scores another goal in extra time. I, I I actually didn't expect them to score again in extra time. I was thinking, I mean, surely this game now is just gonna go into penalties, right? But no, they scored again. Um, Lautaro Martinez is, is, is the player that I think everyone is picking on now. He's basically the new Higuain. <laughs> he, came, he came in, had opportunities, and it just didn't work out. Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, the the point that I, I want us now to discuss again was now the second penalty that was um, given for France, right? So Mbappe rattles the ball like really hard. Um, into the box. I don't even think he's trying to score. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's it's one of those things where I feel like players are, are low-key trained to look for penalties. And I think that he's looking for that penalty again. Um, the player, it, it, it hits, I don't know which player it was, but it hits his hand and um, it's given, right? So obviously now with the handball rules, um, you know, um, if it's against your body, um, or if it's not against your body, rather, um, it doesn't matter whether it's intentional or not, it's going to be given. Um, did you guys agree that that was a penalty? Um, let's, start, let's start with Nick. Just, just, as, just as a short comment, and then we go towards the end of this. Probably is, if we're being honest. Um, because, well, it's a very natural movement. If, um, yeah. But then the, fa- the fact that if his arm wasn't there, it's probably going towards a shot on target. So because that has been prevented by an arm, which was in terms of like the rule of the law, slightly away from his body, then it's a penalty. It can't be disputed. So yeah, right call. Okay, cool. And just to end this, um, this segment, uh, Mark, in your eyes, do you think the right team won? Uh, given France had a pretty great comeback uh they gave us a great uh they gave us a great uh, like match of football uh all the way into extra time 3-3 3-3 into extra time a hat-trick from Mbappe do you still think that um the right team won um in your eyes um yeah I think on the basis of the entire tournament I think Argentina probably been the best team of the tournament despite losing to Saudi Arabia quite early on but I think after that they've been the most consistent team um obviously 
it's it's tough to like score a hat trick at a World Cup and not at uh, a World Cup final and not lift the trophy after it. So I feel like Mbappe was a bit hard done by. But all in all, I do think Argentina were the rightful winners of the 2022 World Cup. Okay, uh, Nick, do you have any final comments on the final of the World Cup? Of course I do. First of all, if we go back to the second World Cup preview episode, The Streets of Argentina, I boldly said that they were going to win this World Cup and Leo Messi would cement his place as the GOAT of football. And that has been duly realized. And just like the way the Italy game went against England in the final, Argentina did pull on that promise, all the coincidences, and they have literally delivered the World Cup for somebody which perhaps didn't, well, craved it more than anybody else. Everybody said that Leo Messi needed the World Cup. And it's quite unbelievable that today we say that he does have it. And now that debate may rage on. But for now, people certainly probably call him the best player of his generation. And by the way, Ramzan, I just wanted to mention that Pape scoring a hat-trick and losing this final perhaps is better for his legacy than if he won this final and didn't score a hat-trick. I think it's a brilliant performance. And the fact that he lost, but gave everything for the team, you just cannot, res- well, you cannot not respect that, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing comment. Um, I, I'm a, I like both of them. I like Messi, I like Mbappe, quite like Ronaldo as well. Um, but, but like, especially with Mbappe, I've sometimes felt like I haven't seen him have decisive moments. People, people references. 2018 World Cup a lot. I don't know if it's because I was young. I wasn't really even that young, but I just don't really, I didn't really see it then. Um, but I mean, I definitely saw it now. Um, he had a he had a tournament that uh, throughout the whole tournament he was so important. Um, you can see influence sometimes. Influence isn't always, uh, you know, in the dribbles or whatever. But you, you just see how everyone looks at Mbappe as soon as they get the ball. Um, and yeah, hats off to him and hats off to like a really good tournament and a really good performance. So yeah, okay. Um, I think with that, then we're going to move on to the individual awards um, that were given out at this World Cup. And we're just going to, you know, uh, talk about them and talk about uh, anything that we would, we would change and uh, any other surprises, I guess. So they're not that many awards. Uh, this is the Golden Ball, um, which was won by Messi. Uh, Mbappe won top goal scorer. Yes, you can't really dispute that one, I guess. <laughs> um, Enzo Fernandez won young player of the tournament, and Martinez won goalkeeper of the tournament. Uh, so yeah, let's let's start with the the most important one. Do you, do you guys think Messi should have won the Golden Ball? Um, who was he up against? And yeah, who are the honorable mentions? I guess uh, let's start with Mark. Um, I think honestly. His only actual or genuine competition was probably Mbappe. And um, I think if Mbappe had won the the World Cup, I think that could have been a shout. I think probably I've, Mbappe would have, might have won. It might have just edged Messi. But uh, I feel like Messi, although Mbappe outscored him, Messi had uh, the how many? Three assists, four assists. So I think on that level, he just maybe just beat out Mbappe. But definitely, I think Mbappe had a great tournament. He could have easily won the Golden Ball. Actually, I think um, the past few winners of the Golden Ball 
have been from teams that have lost the World Cup final. So I think mm-hmm. Modric in 2018, uh, uh, Messi in 2014. So I, I wouldn't have been surprised if um, it was given to Mbappe, especially after that performance, uh, how he carried France in that final, I think. I've never seen anything like it. I'm sure you guys have never seen anything like it. It was breathtaking. Yeah. Um, do you think then it was more of a, you know, I, I, always, I usually reference this, right? That football and awards, especially in football, are more about uh, feelings than anything else, right? Who feels like the best player? Who feels like uh, um, the MVP, right? And, and that's certainly the view that I had, especially with Modric winning it in 2018. Um, when, yes, I mean, his team was never actually going to win the World Cup, right? But uh, if you looked at the whole tournament and you looked at the, uh, on an achievement level, uh, Modric had achieved more than I think any other player could have achieved. Um, do you think that it was a similar case with Messi that you look at it almost, not as a lifetime achievement award, but like a, um, in in a sense, you know, you know, given that he was great in the tournament as well, but it's also like, um, you definitely deserve this sort of thing. Um, Nicholas, what do you think? Yeah, probably agree with that because, of course, we've seen the whole runner-up thing, winning the golden ball, but everything that he's done in this tournament is absolutely ludicrous. It's unreasonable that he's had a tournament like this. I mean, I thought that these guys were going to go far, but I couldn't have imagined that Messi was going to have this. I don't think anybody thought that Leo Messi was going to be this good because I was seeing things which I didn't even know he was still able to do, which is, you know, testament to that um, as far as everything he's done, you know, for the sport at 35 years of age, you probably wouldn't have actually imagined it would have been that good. So on the basis of everything, probably as deserving as anybody else's, Mbappe cannot be refuted. And obviously if Mbappe ended up receiving the Golden Ball Award, I don't think there would have been too many complaints. I... I wouldn't have complained because that final, it kind of just showed everyone exactly who he is because it almost yeah. looks like as if he's out on his own as this generation of your Dembele, Saka's, you know, the, you know, this generation that we have emerging at the moment, replacing the old generation that are in their 30s now. It looks like he's out on his own as the best player of this generation, unless somebody else can find a way to, you know, beat his achievements. But, uh, yeah, I think on the basis of everything, Messi probably does. Well, it's befitting that he wins it. But um, in the build-up to the semis and quarters, you have to say that there was a little irky feeling that Luka Modric, if he did reach another final, yeah. he could have won it because his performances at 37 ridiculous as well. So I think similar in the Messi mold that he shouldn't be doing what he's doing at that particular age. Modric is brilliant. If Portugal reached the final, Bruno Fernandes... And I was like, you know that I don't, I don't like Bruno just because yeah. I just don't, I just think he's too much of an end product player, which is something which other people like. But when the going gets tough, he is just absolutely abysmal to watch sometimes, sometimes. Uh-huh. But this tournament, I've changed my opinion on him slightly. I think he had been absolutely brilliant, especially when Ronaldo hadn't been. He was mm-hmm. the star man. He allowed Jao Felix to play. He really did take the initiative to make Portugal really good. So, no, nah, kudos to him. He could have won the golden ball if he reached far. Yeah, I like Nick, that. Nick took the words right out of my mouth. I was, I was, 
I was I was waiting for that. But yes, um, um, all really good players. Um, do we have any other honorable mentions, Mark? Do you have any other honorable mentions? Uh, any other honorable mentions? Probably, maybe maybe Amrabat, just because I think he impressed me a lot. Probably wasn't ever going to actually win the Golden Ball, but I think definitely yeah. he had a really really good World Cup, and he. He kind of introduced himself on the on the world stage. I don't think a lot of people knew about him or knew about his game, but he was really, really good. And yeah, Science is also really good. Yeah, yeah. and, and Buffal was great as well. But yes, yeah, so, yeah. so on, on, on Amrabat, like we knew about Amrabat though. Uh, if you have been listening to this podcast and you listen to our Africa specials, uh, we definitely spoke about Amrabat for like a good like two or three episodes. Um, and, and yeah, I just talked about how good he is. Um, he's, uh, Nicholas, Nicholas told me earlier today that Amrabat is actually 26. We thought he was 35. <laughs> so it seems like he might still have a... A decent career ahead of him, and I I really hope he does go to um, uh, Fiorentina is a good team in its own right, but I, I hope he goes to like a team with a bit more press. Um, just just because I I want I want to see good players get out there as much as possible. So yeah, um, a nice shout, Mark. Thank you. Um, okay, so let's move on to just the other words. So top goal scorer again. There's not really much to say that we haven't already said about Mbappe. We're big fans, if you can't tell. Um, <laughs> we might be like the Mbappe Avengers or something like that. Um, <laughs> I feel like we've talked about Mbappe in this tournament more than we've talked about like any other player. So um, yeah, um, again. Kudos to him. Uh, for young player of the tournament was won by Enzo Fernandez. Um, again, probably definitely does deserve it. He is 21, I think. Or is he 20? I don't know. But he's, but he's under 21 because to win this, you have to be under 21, right? And yeah. he, he came into, he, he wasn't actually starting. I don't think he started the first game. Um, he must, I think he came off this, he came off the bench in the first game and then, yeah. uh, yes. and Scaloni just basically realized that, okay, we actually can't do anything without this guy being in the team. Um, and, and he really did cement his spot in there. Uh, doing those sort of things when a midfield can command uh, Rodrigo, Rodrigo de Paul, uh, McAllister, uh, Paredes towards the end just wasn't even starting um, amongst other players, right? Uh, to give a manager that sort of confidence that you should be starting every single game isn't easy, right? Um, in the case of players like Jude Bellingham, who we will get to, um, there's sort of a... I don't know, because he's also kind of important at club level already. You almost expect that he should be in the lineup, but you don't expect Enzo Fernandez to be starting in this sort of uh, situation. And he did, and he was just great the whole time. Um, so, yeah, um, really impressed as well. Um, uh, yeah, um, Nicholas, your thoughts on young player of the tournament? Yeah, I think Enzo Fernandez is someone that's deserving... I think maybe other players could have gotten it, but then the age thing is, it, it is a roadblock, isn't it? Um, I think Julian Alvarez, which I mentioned as um, not necessarily breakout because he's already at Man City, but he is a player which I said was going to have a good tournament. And boy, did he have a, a brilliant tournament. Didn't expect him to actually explode that much. Yeah, amazing. But, um, but yeah, players like Enzo Fernandez, he's been playing very well for Benfica. There's a reason why Benfica actually topped their Champions League group with PSG in it. They're a very, very, very good side. And 
for a C, for him, he's kind of like a six and an eight. And he's also been like linking up with Messi, like as if he's some sort of like 10 with them. So it's like he can actually do everything. So he's been pretty much a, an all-rounder player. And, you know, with Lo injured, Argentina were unbalanced. And for him to just come in and do that, that's very difficult. You know, Ramzan, you played midfield. That is not easy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, you really have to, you know, hand it to him 21. And then he basically dominated. There wasn't any game where I think he was done for, done for pace or looked like he couldn't run. And... I think it's probably the right decision. But then Jude Bellingham, I think, is also somebody which stood out. But unfortunately, he got knocked out in the quarters. Um, Saka was also great, but knocked down the quarters as well. But um, Jos Gavardio, Gavardio, the the centre-back for Croatia, what a player at 20 flat. He is brilliant. Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw something like, like Man City is preparing like a $150 million uh, bid for him or something like that. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> That's like twice the twice the amount that Liverpool pay for Van Dyke. It's crazy how defenders are like getting that expensive. Um but nah, if you watch if you think if you watched anything that Croatia did, um he's 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 great. He's great. He makes Lovren look good. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, let's move on uh, just to the final individual award. Um that's uh, Emmy Martinez one goalkeeper of the tournament. Um, again, that huge save, that huge save in like the last minute of extra time, um, is just just great. Basically, you could you could you could say um, some things. You could say, "Oh, column one, you could have lifted it over the keeper, etc." But you you know what? At one hundred and twenty minutes, I don't actually expect much. I just want someone to hit the target, and Emmy Martinez was actually there. So um, yeah. Do you guys think he... Okay, I mean, he definitely deserves it, right? But is there any other shout, I guess, for um, goalkeeper of the tournament? Um, let's go with Mark. Um, I'm going to shout out Bono. I think he was immense. I think he had a really good World Cup. Uh, obviously, Morocco came fourth. They they failed to beat Croatia. But I think, in general, their defense was solid. Bono was solid. They were one of the best defensive teams at the World Cup. And Bono was a big part of that. He was, especially against Portugal, he was immense. Like, they just could not find a way past him. And uh, I think he's definitely a big reason as to as to why they did so well. So, although Emi Martinez definitely does deserve, or did deserve, the goalkeeper of the tournament... I think Bono is easily a very close second. He was outstanding. Yeah. Nicholas, any final shots on individual awards before we move on to the final things of this podcast now? Yeah, definitely Lovakovic uh, for Croatia. The penalties that he saved in the shootout against Brazil, which knocked Brazil out effectively. Mm. Um, I mean, just his presence as a very tall goalkeeper. And I'm just thinking back to Marquinhos. Did he hit the post or something? But either way, yeah. like you just get into the player's head and then maybe just because you're a good goalkeeper, you make them go the other way. And honestly, these days, having a specialist goalkeeper in penalties is so key in tournaments. I mean, I'm thinking about Emmy Martinez. He is probably the most confident penalty saver I've ever seen. I mean, the fact that he will save your penalty and dance right in front of you. He's like, crazy. That is the most, that yeah, is, like, the most disrespectful. That is the most disrespectful thing you can possibly do, but the problem is that he actually backs it up. <laughs> so yeah. um, you almost can't fret it, although, yeah, some people might have different opinions on that. But, um, yeah, Lovakovic, 
Bono and Martin is definitely three best goalkeepers. But obviously the fact that Martin is, did what he did in the final as well, exactly why he edged them out. Yeah. Um, no, uh, congrats to all the individual award winners. Uh, definitely all deserving. I don't think there's anything. There's, no, there's nothing crazy. And I, th- I think that's, that's what we hate, isn't it? We hate, we hate things that are kind of like, what? But there's nothing crazy here. And um, yeah, uh, congrats to all of them. So we're now going to move on to like the last things of the podcast, right? And I was going to do this in the um, second last episode, in last week's episode, but then I wasn't here. Um, uh, so I, I I highlighted three top things. This is gonna be a long list. It's supposed to be like 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 five or ten things, um, but then I've, I've cut it down to three just so that um, we're thinking about the time as well, right? So I highlighted three top things in this World Cup, and then I'm gonna go to three things that I've seen uh, being done better in other World Cups, right? So like three things from the past that are good, um, and then three things like that were great this time. Right. Um, intentionally, our podcast decided not to go um, heavy on politics, right? Because it's just so it's so difficult not to sound tone deaf, right? Um, we are not uh, institutions like FIFA and Sky Sports are okay with sounding tone deaf, but I don't think I don't think we are um, more than anything else. This is supposed to be entertaining, uh, so it's not like it's not like we don't know about what what happened. We we basically just chose not to speak about it. Um, but yes, uh, with that aside, now the three top things that I saw in this tournament, right? Now, the first thing isn't really like, um, isn't really like a thing, but the weather was fine. I think initially, initially we thought that um, in this tournament, because it's so hot in Qatar and even, even in their wintry period, and I think this is their winterish period, we, we, we could see see like uh people training and like the heat was just like immense and i heard that it's really like um it's kind of like that heat that like like gets into like your throat type of heat like you can't breathe type of heat and uh we thought that, that was that's definitely going to be a problem especially for the european players it wasn't a problem um i know that the stadiums were air conditioned and there's only one player who basically came out to criticize that i think anthony said something about the air conditioning in the stadiums um Unless there's other people who just haven't said anything, but um, it it seems like the weather was fine, and which is which is which is a really good thing. I think it opens up doors for uh, tournaments like these to be held in, um, you know, more extreme conditions, which I think is nice. It gives more opportunities to different countries, right? So that's my first sort of thing. Uh, so my next sort of thing is uh, that I found quite you know beautiful was the culture clash, right? And I think culture clash is a word or you know a statement that is used quite negatively um because it's kind of like oh okay this is so new to me um but i think that in 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 this world cup it was i don't want to say it was more of a good thing than anything else but it was it was a good thing right and uh when i mentioned culture clash i just immediately the, the what comes into my head is um a half naked okay not not really half naked right but like you know a croatian lady who is showing you know slightly more skin than uh the qataris may be used to and like she's walking down, <laughs> she's walking down the stairs at the stadium and like all the qatari guys are just looking at her like you what like what is this and i just found that so funny like i don't i don't, I don't know um, you know, I'm not really thinking about what's going through their heads or anything, but I just found it like a very interesting visual to see, you know, to see um, um, two different cultures and even understandings of what fun is uh, come together like that. I thought I thought was great. 
um, um, it was it was a really nice piece of of the tournament. Um, I also saw something like I think there hasn't been an English player who got arrested in this tournament, um, and an English player has gotten arrested at every single World Cup. So I, <laughs> I think that that was kind of cool as well. Um, there was obviously a lot of backlash about the drinking thing initially, but like when people made peace with it, it the tournament went on smoothly. So I think that that culture clash, so to say, um, was kind of good. Again, without trying to be you know tone deaf about everything that everything that has gone into this World Cup, um, but yeah, I thought that that was a you know kind of a positive uh, thing about this World Cup, right? So now the next thing is obviously there were so many goals in this World Cup. And I think that that's a testament to um, how attacking this game is. Even if you just see the final game, right? And um, how Argentina played, especially in, you know, in the early minutes. And you can see what an influence that pressing has had on football. Um, you know, I don't want to... I kind of want to say since Pep Guardiola, you know, because it's kind of him, right? It's kind of him and 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 Klopp and them who just pushed this huge revolution of of we're never going to sit back. We're never going to sit yeah. back. We're, we're always going to go. And and I think that that's showed throughout the tournament, right? In shock victories that, you know, um, Saudi Arabia has had. If we really, if we really analyze the whole tournament, right? The only team that was like, like terrible was, was maybe Qatar. Qatar was maybe the only team that was, <laughs> that was like so bad, but every other team, has really gone for it, you know, uh, maybe not for 90 minutes, but they've definitely had periods in the game where they're like, you know what, we're not afraid of anyone and we're actually just going to go into this tournament. And and I think that was also something that was really beautiful. And yeah, we had more goals in this tournament than any other World Cup in the past. And that's great. Um, and then my, just my final thing um, is, I, I think I, I love the memes <laughs> I don't remember 2018 quite well, but I just think I just think the memes were funny. Like like when when again just going back to Saudi Arabia when Saudi Arabia beat um, Argentina and that guy came to that journalist and he's like, "Where's Messi? Where's Messi? Where's Messi?" <laughs> and he basically just asked, "Where's Messi?" for like two minutes straight. It was so annoying. Like <laughs> at the end of that interview, it wasn't even an interview really. But at the end of him saying where is Messi, I'm like, yo, you can't, please don't say where is Messi again. I've heard it enough times. <laughs> <laughs> but the memes, I think, were also just like just beautiful and yeah, just things like poor use of the word goat. You know, people referring to Mbappe as the goat, which just doesn't make any sense really. Um, but all of that just just makes the tournament better. It just engages people more. So, and yeah, yes, go ahead. Yeah. No, as in everything you're saying is pretty amazing. Um, it's a good list. You know, on the memes thing, like, actually, I don't know whether I, you saw the post, but then on the Mbappe goat thing, I won't forget, like, I think was it some sort of ESPN take or maybe NBS? And the uh, commentator or pundit on there said that Mbappe versus Messi in the final is like LeBron James versus Michael Jordan, which was a ludicrous take. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Amer Americans really don't understand like soccer. They don't. They don't understand soccer. They, <laughs> no, you know what? I don't want to be devil's advocate here, but what he might have meant is like Le it might be Michael Jordan when he was coming to the end of, of his career versus LeBron James who's coming, who's just starting his career, and maybe that's no. the matchup. That's the matchup he was referring to. You know what I mean? 
Like okay. this new guy who's about to take over versus obviously the greatest of all time in the sport. And yeah. I'm, I'm, mean, willing, no, no. I'm willing to accept that. I'm willing to accept that. Um, <laughs> to save the American some face. But otherwise, if it's, if, it's what I, if it's what I think it is, then, then it's, it's a terrible take. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, anyway, those are my uh, three or four top things in this tournament. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have any comments on these? Uh, otherwise, we just go to the, um, to the other World Cups. No, uh, no, at least not for me, no. Yeah, Nick, um, anything on this? No, I think that pretty much sums it all. Um, Qatar have given us the greatest World Cup ever, in my opinion, and wouldn't have it any other way. Enjoyed it. That's always the best part. Ellie, nice, nice. Nice to hear, nice to hear. I wouldn't have it any other way. That's a very bold statement, but yes, nice to hear. <laughs> Um, and then my final thing uh, is just the fan integration, right? And and by fan integration, now I'm, I'm also saying this slightly, maybe not being super aware, but I just always remember growing up, like having, like when a World Cup was um, around the corner or when a World Cup was happening, everything just kind of became about the World Cup, right? So if you go to like a grocery store, the, all the lace packets are like, they have like World Cup print on them. Um, if you buy playing cards, there's World Cup print on them. Everything is about Rio 2014. Everything is about South Africa 2010. And and I don't think that we had that in this World Cup. To be honest, I don't think we had that too much in the 2018 World Cup either, right? Now, I, I don't have the reasons for that. Um, I You know, I, yeah, I don't have the reasons for that, basically. Um, but it's just something that I noticed. I feel like if you're like a kid and like you just you're getting into watching football, I don't think that this World Cup was like that much fun for you. If you're over 20, obviously it was great. Right. But like if you're if you're like a kid, um, I think that this, you know, this probably wasn't like um, a great like first World Cup for you. But yeah, um, those are those are my things. Uh, do you guys have any comments any disappointments any disappointing things that happened in this world cup i think the the only disappointing thing that I, I really thought was that we never got to see the ronaldo messi final that we all desperately wanted that was a bit unfortunate but apart from that like nick said i think best world cup i've ever watched at least definitely yeah, you guys are so bold man <laughs> nicholas do you have do you, do you have anything yeah, um, I think Mark is actually right with that Argentina-Portugal final. I think, you know, every a lot of people thought that it would happen, that, you know, they would predict for it to happen. But then I kind of had a feeling that Portugal would get knocked out earlier than that, which they did. Um, but other than that, like, Ramzan's right. Like, maybe for the younger people, it's not really as fun as it really quite used to be. You used to have, like, Messi printed on all the Lay's packets. You used to have, like, all this... Um, you, you know, you'd feel you'd feel more of the World Cup in a very organic way. But now, because of the internet taking over, it's it's just like okay, everything yeah, it's, it's, should just happen. It's all on, on your phone. phone. Yeah, it's all yeah. on your phone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, pretty much like we couldn't have asked for a better tournament at the end of the day. I mean, I think the reason why this World Cup has been so crazy is because of the the varying fitness of every team that's gone in. You know, forcing players to play and playing injured players and taking so many risks. I think all that disarray allowed for more open football that if you just stayed organized and if you kept on believing in yourself all the way till the end, 
that's why we've had so many extra times. That's why we've had so many, you know, um, late dramas and all the added time that we've been getting. It's just mixed into a ball of chaos, which is the 2022 World Cup. And I think within the next few decades, a lot of us look back at this World Cup with so much nostalgia and you start to appreciate exactly what we've been through for the past three, four weeks. Yeah, no, that's a, an amazing final take. And um, that is then the last take, I think, of this, uh, of this segment, of this episode, and of this a section of the Box to Box. Uh, the Box to Box World Cup edition ends here. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, and Premier League is back, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, keep keeping in and uh, we'll, we'll see you all very soon. Thank you. Bye bye.